I told you you would survive Christmas. It's the after Boxing Day special. Actually, Boxing Day's over, so we're done with Christmas. Christmas is done. This is a show about jewelry. Why we wear it, why it matters, how it's made, and what it means. I'm Alex D, and I turn cannabis into gold. I make mind-blowing jewelry in gold, silver, and platinum from cannabis plants here in Canada for stage, screen, for people who want to rock crazy jewelry. I'm the Cannabis Goldsmith. I had a pretty good Christmas, I have to tell you. I um I didn't expect anything. You know, I'm here I'm here in the in the woods basically by myself in the studio. And um that's what I expected to do. That's it. But I got invited to a neighbor's house for Christmas dinner being an orphan. And then they got invited to some other neighbor's house. So what happened was they brought me along, so I was the the odd person out in the um, in the room at the Christmas dinner from a nice uh, with a nice family in the little town, uh, the the new little town that I moved to here in in the beautiful the beautiful absolutely stunning Canada's Riviera in southeastern Ontario in the Thousand Islands area here. Anyway, I had a good Christmas dinner with some people I didn't know and got to know them a bit and they got to know me a bit and it was it was great and and I was home asleep by like 9 p.m. that was that was it for me the very next day Christmas Christmas um, uh, Boxing Day yesterday I was like working in the studio and I did work and it was nice um, I'm working on this this unicorn horn pendant. I'm trying to make the cap for it, and I'm working on different bale designs. So I was doing that, and it's I'm not happy with it. You know, you, if you're an artist, you know you're, you're working on a piece, and it's the idea is good in principle, right? You have a good feeling about it, and you're working on it, and, and it's coming together nicely. And then there's something that's just not that's just not right with that. And and you can't identify it. You don't know what it is. You can't tell. Um, and everything you try seems to make matters worse. So when that happens, it's time to step away <laughs> before, well, anyway, that's what I think, before I totally fuck it up. And um, so I step away. And then often when I come back and look at the piece with new eyes, the the roadblock is gone. I don't even see it. I'm, I move right through it into, and in, into completing the design so this right now this unicorn pendant it just to, uh, to remind you of what it what it was it's like a it's an antler it's an alberta alberta deer antler that was out in the in the weather for god knows how many decades it's like old and then i i uh, colored it different colors it's basically like an abstract it looks like an abstract painting but on a horn it's about six inches long it's a huge freaking pendant it's gonna be giant but i need a way to attach it to a chain and especially like these hip-hop guys wear these big chains right so i want to be able to uh, someone to be able to buy this and then thread it onto their existing chain that they have in their collection or one of the chains they have in their collection 
rather than having to, uh, you know, um, cut the end off the chain, get a jeweler to put it. It's just too much work. So I want I want them the the purchaser of this piece to be able to just take it and and uh, and just thread a chain through it and wear it, rock it right away on stage that's the whole goal of this piece but it's beautiful it's 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 an art piece and and this unicorn horn pendant baby unicorn horn pendant um the the colors are much brighter when the unicorns are younger when they get older as i said before the the horn kind of gets ridges on them and loses the color but when they're babies my god the color is so intense it's so bright and fantastic You'll soon see the piece on either our Instagram or, or on a web page. Um, it's it's coming together. I'll finish this bail. But anyway, where was I? Oh, Christmas. Yeah. So I was working on that on on, uh, on Christmas Day, and Boxing Day too. I'm working, doing some work yesterday. On calculating how much my uh, the brooch, the man brooch, I'm making the Roland, the man brooch, which is essentially a a cigarette paper made of of sterling silver filled with jade pieces to look like weed and um and a seed maybe a, an 18 karat gold seed all in in an open paper like it's about to be rolled and i thought man this is going to make just the most wicked man brooch for a talk so it's just going to look beautiful so the jade's on the way for that but you know the idea is fantastic but not for a man brooch because I started weighing. You know, there's a method us jewelers used to determine the weight of something in the finished piece in, in gold or silver or whatever. There's some formulas that we use. And so we, we make something and say wax, and then we weigh the wax, and then we multiply it by so much in order to determine how much it would weigh if we made it in, in say, gold or silver or whatever. And you can add a few uh, you can add a gram here and there for some stones or, or whatever you want, but m- normally we don't do that, and uh, we just we just talk about the metal here. Um, but I I did the calculations on this brooch, and already just the cigarette paper alone is twenty grams, so it's going to be over twenty grams in silver. So it's just too heavy for a for a lapel, right? That's even before a pin back goes on it, or before the gems go into it, before the the setting, the gem setting goes into it. All the, all the metal I got to put in there to to hold the jade in place, uh, whether wire or whatever I use. So I'm thinking this is already getting up to 50 grams. It's going to be way, it's going to be way too heavy for a lapel, but it's not going to be too heavy for a pendant. So. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to make a pendant out of this sucker. I just have to figure out a way to hang it. So now the issue is not so much weight, but the issue is how to design this uh, this piece so that it hangs properly on a chain. Like I want it to be a, a cigarette paper that's open. Like if you're about to roll a joint and you the cigarette paper's in your both your hands, it's open. There's a little bit of sprinkled weed at the bottom of that. That's what that's the look I want. That open paper with the green at the bottom. And the green's gonna be jade. The paper's gonna be one millimeter sterling silver sheet. And it'll be folded and bend bent to look like a cigarette paper. Just open, but like creased and all that, right? You're getting it. You can visualize this, can't you? 
Anyway, so I'm going to have to figure out a way to hang this off a chain so it balances. So it doesn't hang on one side, right, or the other. I want it to, to balance on the chain. So that's the, instead of weight now, that's the, the new hurdle to, to overcome in the, in the design. When you're designing jewelry like this, I mean, people don't, don't get, get this, but, I mean, if you go and you, somebody gives you a piece of jewelry, nobody ever thinks about the designer, right? Because it's been designed already. But before that stage, you know, especially inventing new types of jewelry, which is what we do, you know, we, we're, we're making jewelry out of cannabis here, out of cannabis plants. And we make mushroom jewelry. We, we do like just just amazing different kinds of jewelry. We're pushing kind of bounds and limits as to what is jewelry here at Tribe. So I like, I like just like experimenting and just pushing stuff. But sometimes it can't be done and we have to give up. And then... Then you realize it's like, oh, you know, you know, somebody before me 200 years ago probably went through this whole process and didn't go beyond, couldn't get further than that and stopped. And that's where I am now. That's why this pieces like this have never been made before because nobody could do it, right? That sometimes that happens, but n not often. Usually you find workarounds for it, you know? So like I'm doing here with it, you know, it won't work as a brooch, so maybe it'll work as a pendant. So that's what I'm gonna figure out. And next year, we'll figure out how to make that piece. It's gonna be a beautiful, kind of like a show piece, right? So anyway, oh, we're, this is just the intro, shit. I haven't even got to the show yet. Well, this is a show about the end of the year and the beginning of the new year, you know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you my resolutions. And that way you can hold me to them at the end of the year, or I can hold them to myself at the end of the year when I listen to the episode and go, oh, fuck, man, I, I didn't do that, or I did better, or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm setting setting goals, maybe, is that? I'm never good at goal setting. But anyway, so this will be the show about my, my resolutions, and then... A little bit of a review of, of this year, of, of what happened this year. And, uh, yeah, on the Cannabis Goldsmith. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm excited to go into this new year. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm, I did all the, all the hard shit this year. I tell you, this year I had two eye operations that could have been career ending for me, you know, as a photographer, as a designer, jeweler, because I need my eyes, right? My eyes are, any artist needs their eyes, um, or a way of seeing what they make if they can't see with their eyes, right? If they lose that, then, then they're fucked basically, right? So this was the, the giant anvil kind of hanging over my head as I had this, I had, um, uh, these eye surgeries, and the eye surgeries did two things. One, they took me out of making a lot of designs, so I couldn't do the designs. Um, because before the eye surgeries, the eyes were getting quite bad, I gotta say. And then after them, I was recovering. So I'm not using this as an excuse, but it just was impossible to do the work when the eyes weren't, weren't functioning right. And anyway, now uh, that's been done. But it could have been career-ending, and me, a 
catastrophizing everything. I was like thinking, oh, fuck, if it goes horribly wrong, I'm fucked. But uh, the surgeon did great and the eyes healed and my eyes are better than ever. So I did that this year. I took care of that. That was that had to be done and it's done. And as a result now, the color, my color vision is is excellent. I have 20-20 vision. I, my eyes are incredibly, the color rendition and now is color's not being impacted. So expect some incredible color pieces from us um, in the years ahead. Like this unicorn, baby unicorn horn thing. You're going to see this is going to be freaking amazing. Anyway, um, yeah, so that happened. and uh, But I did a lot of thinking about design, more thinking about design and where I want to go. Uh, with it, how it's evolving for the brand, um, for the company. I mean, we're a small designer. We're an experimental designer. That's what we want to be. We don't want to have a thousand employees. We don't want to have stores all around the world that that uh, that are snooty and and treat people like shit. No, we we uh, are a small super high-end luxury designer that makes pieces that nobody else would even consider making, right? In in cultural themes that other brands are afraid to eat, tread near, you know? Where cannabis is where we are. So, like, I mean, we make jewelry out of weed. So I'm, I'm thinking, uh, fuck, uh, what's, more, what's more modern than that? Let me ask you. Anyway, so I was thinking a lot about that with the brand and doing some legal trademark stuff this year, this past year. Lots of designs. But I think the most important thing this year, aside from the eyes, getting the eyes sorted out, was just getting more comfortable in this area where I am. Like, I've been here now a year and a half. It took the first year. Well, the first half year was fucked because... I don't know about you, but when I get, when I move to a new place, I don't just automatically start, you know, start at full speed again. It takes a while to sort, to sort shit out, to to find where things go, to like learn your surroundings, to meet the people in the area to introduce yourself to them. So, you know, to find out who are you going to going to be your friends in the community and who that you that you've moved into and who who you don't really you see but then say hello to but you don't hang out with, right? Or are you going to even have any friends in the new community? This is the kind of these are the kind of questions that occupied me the first um the first six months, and and even this year too. I I guess halfway through the year, maybe the summer is when I finally realized that I was here. This is home, and uh, I'm going to be here until I'm gone. It's just, it, I realized it's like I'm meant to be here. I'm meant to be in this area. I'm meant to be with the these these different people that that used to be. You know, I used to be a full city person. And and I used to live in, in weird countries and different countries and stuff too, various points of my life. But this place, this is my place now. I, I, I know it and I feel it. And already it's impacting the work. 
because I've got a, a, a my studio is settling down to to be a place where where I can produce I can produce this this these pieces that I want to produce these jewelry these luxurious jewelry art pieces right I, I this is what I want to do and and I'm, I'm doing it and I've configured the studio to do it and the plants are growing you know this summer I grew I grew a monster cannabis plant like grow four but like one died and I was kind of upset about that in the spring because you only get here here as a as just a an ordinary Canadian citizen you get to grow four plants right as an adult and and if one of them dies you can't start another because the season's too short right so you're like it'll it, it, you've lost that time window to grow the outdoor plant so I'm like Fuck, I've lost one of the plants, right? And this is the one I wanted the most. And I was really bummed out about it in the spring, more than I care to admit, I guess, at the time. But I was kind of upset about it. But the other one next to it grew to 16 feet tall. It was huge. It was gigantic. Just a fantastic plant. And I would sit out in the summer next to it and just watch it grow with my sketchbook and draw designs and stuff. It was great. So, you know, I still I still catastrophize, and I still look for the look at the dark side first. Something I've done all my life, right? It's like, oh fuck, what could go wrong with this? You know, it's, it's the first thing I I say to myself. But, but I, you know, I'm pushing through, pushing through it. I I um I discovered that this land can grow. This little plot of land where my house is here in studio, I can grow great vegetables on it. So I, I grew uh, onions, some onions last year. I grew some lettuce. I grew some Tabasco peppers and butternut squash, spaghetti squash, different you know cucumbers. I've done. I mean, I can I I can grow in a in our short Canadian season here enough food to feed me like more than enough food to feed me. Uh, so I have to be, I have to plan it better. But I think I can, uh, I can grow a, a lot of food here. Already, I, I've got stuff in the in the um, in the pantry. You know, I've got veggies, I've got squashes left for next for this year. They're still lasting. So that, that's amazing. I'm, you know, I got comfortable, more comfortable with that. But I think this year was the more about just getting ready for next year. I think next year is going to be the big year for me. When it comes to designs. When it comes to other stuff that I'm going to tell you about now. My my New Year's resolutions. Okay. They get the easy one out of the way first. Incredible designs next year. They're going to be more... Um, bigger, bigger pieces, crazier pieces, um, more oriented towards stage, more just loud pieces, like pieces that stand out, right? No, fuck. I'm just tired of seeing all people wearing all the same stuff. So these pieces are going to obviously be different. And, um, uh, the one I've talked about earlier, the unicorn horn, baby unicorn horn pendant. 
the roll-in pendant was like an open cannabis a joint being rolled with jade and silver and 18 karat gold that'll be another pendant um i'm working on a big coin pendant an oversized coin pendant with a, a live cast um cannabis leaf in the center of it so i'm working on that those kind of big giant objects which is interesting right I just i i find it interesting anyway the, the pieces seem to be getting bigger and bigger Anyway, and, and next year I'm going to try and tidy up my the first half of my life. Like as a photographer, uh, I published a magazine called Tribe. I've got like tens of thousands of negatives and slides that I need to digitize. And it's such an expensive thing to do well. And so I've, I've put it off. One of the reasons, that's one of the reasons I put off doing it. I mean, I, these some of these images are, th well, I shot them between 1993 and 2000, and probably five. It's negatives, slides, all shot with good cameras, mostly good lenses. Uh, I've got images nobody else has. I've got images, I, it's basically, it's the, the full record of a lost civilization in Canada, a youth culture that's gone. Uh, that happened at the time just before the internet happened. So it it overlays, the photos overlay the time when people were starting to use the internet for the first time. And then towards the end of it, people start getting into phones. So it's just as the phone is about to hit and uh, as the internet has just happened. It's an amazing photographic collection. And I've kept these photos for since then as slides. And I've had I've had scanners and stuff here. I do have at the time I bought some really, really expensive scanners to use for these. But the technology has advanced so much that these scanners are a bit are low resolution now. And they're not adequate to digitize this this collection and in any way in, in any case um the purpose of digitization is just to preserve it too because the film is the film is start with the color is might be awful to touch but you know i've tried to keep it at temperature proper temperature for 30 years so it doesn't do that but um who knows right uh, the chemistry changes so it'll be uh, but but the longer i wait the more danger it is, it, dangerous it is for the film stock because it's not it's not stable, right? So and eventually it's going to decay. So I want to I want to uh, want to preserve the best images digitally at the highest resolution possible. Now this is I'm talking big resolutions, a hundred megapixels. Um, that kind of resolution. And then some of the images I want at 400 megapixels. And why do I want them this big? Because in the future, I have no idea what, what Canadians of the future are going to be using, what technology they're going to be using to, to see these images or to, to research them or, or interact with them. Um, but I want there to be enough, enough latitude for them Say if their screen resolutions are are 40k or something ridiculous like that in the future, I want them to be able to see 
these images at the uh, optimally, the best possible way on technologies that haven't even been invented yet. And then the way to do that is to, is to have the highest resolution possible during the scanning process. Now, uh, there, there are ways to do this. There have been ways all along to do this. And in fact, some of the images I shot, we would take to a guy with a drum scanner, and it's a thing that looks like a refrigerator on its side with a little glass tube in it. And then the film is mounted on the glass tube with the fluid. It sits in a, it takes fucking forever. To, it's just so weird. It's a, such a weird process. The, your, your, your 35 millimeter film floats in a kind of fluid on the glass tube as a laser spins around it at like million RPM or whatever. And, and then it captures the scan. These drum scanners are ridiculously expensive, but you need to, to have a, a technician that knows how to operate it. You need a monitor, a special monitor that you can monitor the color, accurate color on, so you know that you're not, if you're working on a shitty monitor and you've got a $150,000 drum scanner, it doesn't matter, right? Because you're, the color you're seeing on your shitty monitor is, is, is you, you could be making all kinds of adjustments to it that are de destroying the original scan. So there's all kinds of factors that come into play with this. But anyway, you know, I've had these. I could have scanned them with drum scanners, but it would have taken like 400 years and, and to get the resolution I wanted. And, and frankly, it's just too much work. So um, I bought some other scanners that can automate the process from Nikon back in the day. But now these resolutions are much too low. For modern times, I think. So anyway, I have to digitize these this work. So um, I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, it's not just it's not just for me, but there's a whole community of ravers and and people out there in in Canada, people who grew up listening to like the first hip hop tracks and the first electronic music tracks and the first techno tracks and and you know as this the music technology turned digital in Canada, we were we were at the leading edge of this, right? Documenting it all. So these are photos that, that capture all of this stuff. I'm I'm really concerned about it. I've done I met with uh, I met with a photographic curator of the National uh, Gallery uh, during the pandemic to talk about it and she gave me some ideas on what I should do with this collection. My my main goal is to make it safe. And by safe, I mean accessible. I mean, Canadians in the future, 100 years from now, I want them to be able to see some of these pictures. And in order to do that, I'm going to split the collection up between three entities in case one fails. The National Gallery, for example, maybe they have a new curator that hates photography, doesn't show photos to anybody. Maybe they like like indigenous art or pottery or whatever, and that gets all the attention, everything else gets put in the back. I mean, that can happen today, but it could happen 100 years from now, right? Your, your Canadians might not be able to access this stuff. So that's what I'm worried about. I'm totally worried about that. So if I give it some of them to them, and I, sp I split some of them to another entity, like a university or um, an art gallery, like an AGO or something. So I'm, I've got to determine where these images go uh, when I'm gone uh, so that Canadians can, can study them and enjoy them and 
and understand the time that we came from, right? The before time. That, that is not even documented on the internet because now, see, it's all been erased. It's, it's, it's not there anymore. It's got, it never was there, really. I mean, in 1994, nobody was on the internet talking about it but us, right? Talking about it but us in our, in our forums, our online forums and stuff at Tribe. Um, but, but, yeah, that's gone from, from the internet. Except for us, like we have these this pho- photography collection. It's just fantastic. So I haven't scanned them. I haven't digitized them. They haven't been seen really since they were. Some of them were originally published in the magazines themselves back in the '90s. So it's a big hidden collection, a beautiful collection of photography. And I want to scan at the highest possible resolution for the future. Now that's what my goals with this. Maybe do some books, maybe do some shows just to get them out. I'm not really interested in putting giving them putting them on Facebook. I really don't care for Mark Zuckerberg and and the Meta people. I or Instagram or any of his his products. I don't like them. I don't like him. I I kept them off social media and I think that's great. So anyway, some will get out on social media, I'm sure, but the best of them, I want them to be in, in, in books, right? I want them to have attribution. I want them to, people to look at them and know what they mean. I don't want them to be used for AI training and the original images lost, you know? I've kept them safe this long. I want to start digitizing them. So that's the pro- that's the the New Year's resol- the big New Year's resolution for me. In order to do that, like the the gear has come down in price, but it's still ridiculously expensive. I mean, I, I'm doing some math here. I, it'll I'll probably need about fifty grand to get the gear together, and that with that that will be a, a Fujifilm medium format camera body, a special lens, some extension tubes. Uh, the monitor, a monitor that's super accurate for color, storage, uh, ways to store 400, you know, megapixel files. Some at the large, some of them will be at large sizes. So how to preserve those to ensure that they don't decay digitally? Like you know that if I put them on a Blu-ray or a series of Blu-rays. Will the Blu-ray, will somebody be able to read the Blu-ray in, in 30 years? Now, this is like what I'm, um, all the things that I'm trying to consider. I'm looking at the long view here for these pieces, not just the short-term enjoyment of seeing these old pictures again. The goal next year is to, to find out how I can raise 50K. I think I'm going to go to one of those um, um, Patreon or GoFundMe or something. I'm, I'm researching them now to see which one I will use and then put out a, a, a plea and, and just ask the community, the ravers, wherever you are all over the world, the Canadian ravers, to chip in whatever you can. And between all of us, I think we'll be able to get accumulate the, the money needed to, to get this gear together to do this. And then I hope to do most of it myself, but and a part of that money will go to paying a, a student probably from the local art college here to help. You know, maybe I'll be able to train somebody on how to digitally, um, how to do color correction or something on photography and in the whole process of this. But yeah, it's, it's the, the actual work itself is going to be hard too once the gear is here. So... 
not only do these images have to be re-photographed, right? Like that, that's what the gear's for. But after that, they have to be corrected for color, you know? Like a negative is negative, so it has to be made positive. And when you do that, change the colors change and stuff. So you have to adjust them so it looks normal again or, or as it was supposed to. So this takes time, right? It takes time. So, but but at least uh, the digitization of the raw film it will be accomplished, and and doing color correction edits after. Well, once the images are scanned, it'll be easier to do the other after. So anyway, um, yeah, and then the other part of the 50k, there's I talked to my accountant. He says there's going to be tax. The government's going to tax you on this. So I've included um, a component to pay the taxes on it because I, I don't want to end up having to pay the government taxes to do this job, this this um, archival job, right? So anyway, so I think it'll be around 50k that I need. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna add it into the GoFundMe or whatever campaign that I do. I'm gonna record a video and share it. So you know when I do. Uh, hopefully the community will share it. I know there's tens of thousands of ravers out there that used to rave in Canada, read the magazine, read Tribe, enjoy it. So maybe they'll chip in some money. Maybe a big donation will come in and, and take all of it, you know? Who knows? I, I don't know. Or maybe nobody will contribute at all. And then I'll have to, I'll have to make do and do it all on my own. Like, whatever happens. Anyway, I've got to do it. doesn't matter whether whether... People pay for it or not, it has to be done, and I got to do it somehow. So that's what I have to figure out for this year. So I'll do, this year I'm going to do a campaign. I'm going to try and raise the money. I'm going to get the gear, and then hopefully by the end of the year we can start uh, re-digitizing. Start start bringing some of these photos out again. And also this year I'm going to talk to a book publisher about some of these photos. I'm gonna to talk to two publishers. I have two publishers in mind. They're not Canadian, unfortunately, uh, but they're, they're in Europe and they're good publishers. Now, if they're not interested in this, what I'm gonna do is, since I'm a publisher myself, Tribe Communications Inc., which published Tribe Magazine, I'm a publisher, so technically, so I could publish it myself. And, and what that entails is simply, uh, is doing all the work as like creating a book, you know, hiring a graphic designer to lay it out and, um, and designing it and scan, you know, color correcting the photos, putting them in, printing it, and then selling the book, you know, and this is something a publisher in Europe would do, but I guess I could do that here too, if I had to. But anyway, I'm going to look at a book for Perhaps look at publishing a book for next year of some of these, some of the first photographs coming out of this archival collection, which is, they're just amazing, I gotta say. Anyway, so that's the big thing for next year. So next year I wanna grow four weed plants. I've, I've kept one, a snip from the big 16 foot sucker alive. So hopefully I'll be able to plant that again in the, um, in the spring, and I'll get another big 16-foot plant out of it. It was just a nice plant. And I'm going to grow three others, I think a jack, and um, I don't know what the two others are. Hmm. I, I should I should look at my, uh, yeah, I should look online and see what's, if there's anything really exotic or interesting I can try growing 
in this area. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that's it. Fuck, I'm at 36 minutes already. I, I Just talking about, about my New Year's resolutions. What are yours? I mean, do you have anything that freaky like I do? I mean, pretty daunting shit, eh? Don't you think? I bet yours are as daunting as mine, though, in different ways. Anyway, I haven't even talked about the jewelry. That was just that. But the jewelry, the jewelry, the bigger pieces we're going to be we're going to be making this year, bigger, more, less uh, accessories and more jewelry. Uh, that's the direction I seem to be going. And I've got a vacuum pump in the studio that I have to I have to fix and hook up to a to a vacuum bell jar thing which will make our casts a little bit better. So I'm going to work on that this year. There's so many little things. But, oh, one thing I'm doing is I'm moving. I have a, a fire pit in the backyard, and it's in the wrong place. So I want to move it into a more central area. And so I can perhaps some, have some neighbors over in, during the summertime if the bugs aren't too bad. So that's all my resolutions. I mean, not, not, nothing too crazy. Very, very work-oriented. Uh, and very, um, yeah, nose to the grindstone-y. But we'll see if I accomplish any of them at all. Today, I'm going to go back in the studio, work on that, the, the bale, the top cap for that baby unicorn thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. Have a happy new year, everybody. And we'll see you in 2024. The Cannabis Goldsmith is produced by Tribe Communications, Inc. in the Thousand Islands area of Ontario, Canada. You can see what we do at tribe.ca. Send us an email, alexd at cannabisgoldsmith.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Cannabis Goldsmith.